Can you hear me? I mean, I can hear you. I'm sitting right across from you. Can the mic hear me? Looks like it. Let's make sure. It's there. Can it really hear me? Oh, it can hear you, man. It's perfect. All look, right. Just look at it. Well, that makes me happy. Welcome again to the Candid Podcast, people. It's it's good to have you back. The millions of listeners last week. I hope you're back again this week. Brent, how I'm was back. your day today? I'm back. Today has been a very busy day. Yeah. Uh, a lot going on in people's lives as well as my own. And, um, you know, just trying to trying to make the most of it. Yep. So, Brent, lately you've been you've been telling me one thing. I, I mentioned it to you a little bit before we got started here, but would you like to tell the folks what you've been sounding a bit like a broken record about over the past couple of weeks? Well, you make that sound like it's a bad thing. It's not. It's a fact. That it is I've a fact. It is an emphatic. The fact is that I feel as though a lot of people are going through things. There are a lot of heavy things going on in people's lives. I can affirm that. And so when I was sitting around thinking, all right, we got this this train rolling. What are we going <laughs> to yeah. fill the airwaves with next time? And since we decided that the Beatitudes slash Sermon on the Mount would be our uh, guide throughout season one of this journey, yeah, we decided uh, that, and I said, how are we going to apply that tangibly? Right. Well, as you over and over again repeated yourself that there are a lot of people going through it right now. I said, you know that? That is in fact true. And this first beatitude that we look at is the poor in spirit. Mm. So I figured, hey, why don't we talk about some poorness of spirit? What does that look like? How do you how do you cope? Where, where's the hope? Where's the where's the hardships in life with that? So there's your question, Brent. Take oh, I've away. got to an answer. <laughs> okay. I didn't know this was a Q&A. Just start the discussion and then we'll just we'll, well just chat it. I think we've got to back up just a, a hair uh, for a minute and just kind of, you know, one of the things that I find interesting when people are going through things is we can't admit that we're going through things. Other people might see we're going through things. And maybe, and I don't want to say that we all don't admit that, but I can... Say in my own life, let me just personalize it to me. There have been seasons of my life where I have literally been on a near burnout, where I was running ragged on all ends, and I was not being healthy. I certainly wasn't really t making time to, to remain in the Word and, and remain in community because I was so doggone busy, and I had to have a few people say, Brent, I'm worried about you, and kind of really bring that to light. Uh, one of those was a, a dear friend, a co-worker, who said, Brent, I think you're just, you're, you, you're working, you're, you're burned out, you know, and I, I knew I was working a lot, but I thought, you know, I was doing good things. I was, you know, doing ministry. But all the while, I was literally exhausted and just at the end of my rope. And so I had to have someone in my life say that to me. There have been other moments where I've had heavy things going on, and I've known, you know, I knew this is, this is, 
whether it be a situation uh, that, you know, my wife and I were going through or situation at work or situation within the church, you know, I knew something was heavy or just life, you know, um, I've had some interesting family dynamics in my, in my tenure on earth and I, you know, that's heavy. And so you got to acknowledge, I personally think that there is a heaviness, whether that be an acknowledgement of your own self, which sometimes when life is hard, you know, it's hard. But then sometimes life can be hard and you're not aware of it because it, it seems to be the right things. You're the last person to find out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, why didn't I get this piece of mail earlier? <laughs> um, and so I think there there's both sides of that for people in the, you know, in life. Um, you know, what we just saw with the hurricane in the Bahamas and, you know, currently as we record this along the east coast of the Carolinas, you know, they know they're in a hard time. I mean, that that is acknowledged. But when you might be doing the good things, but yet you're sacrificing time at home or you're sacrificing time in, in the scriptures or you're sacrificing time with community because so many things are pulling at your attention, life can feel heavy, you know. And, and I think there's both, both and. For, for people. So I hope that's a good starting. You've got to acknowledge the heaviness definitely of, of life. I agree that realizing you have a problem is the first step in any situation. Amen. Andy Stanley on a completely unrelated topic always talked about how we're usually the last people to find out we've had a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, looking mm-hmm. into other people's situations, we can say, oh, they should have seen this coming or they should see this coming. And then the people in the situation, once it's happened, they say, oh, I should have seen this coming, Mm -hmm. even though everybody around them saw it coming the whole way. So acknowledging that there's a problem is a very important step one. So what what are some tools do, do you think that help identify those problems when we don't know it? Well, I you know, I'm a huge community guy. And I'm a huge community guy because for so long I tried to do it on my own and isolate. So I think you've got to have people in your life that you trust, that you know love you, regardless if you're doing good or not, that they're going to be there no matter what. And and I think this kind of raises the question of... Of the church, and what I mean by not a building, when I say church, I am referencing people, space, that happen to maybe meet in a building, Um, but are we creating space in which people can be vulnerable, And, 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 and a space in which people can speak into our lives? Uh, For so long, I would, and and that's both ways. You know, you, you've got to be open to that experience, but you also have to be willing to give in that experience. All of our lives are based on an experience. We are either creating an ex. no, we're not, we, we are always creating an experience. Even in this moment, I am creating an experience with you. You're either going to walk away from this going, man, that was good, that was fun, or... 
you're going to walk away going, well, that Brent, he's an idiot, which <laughs> you probably already think that. A little and, both. And know that. Walk away but, with a little both. But the point is, you know, you often hear it. It's not, they might not ever remember what you said, but they will remember how you made them feel. You know, that's a saying that, you know, always kind of floats around out there. And I, and I, I don't think life is always built on feelings. But there is some truth into that statement. And, you know, I, I think we as a, a body of believers, and I think the reason the Sermon on the Mount is so crucial, um, and I have a quote that I'm going to read, um, is I believe so many of our churches are filled with superficiality. You know, it's that whole idea of, your life could literally be falling apart. But because there's not a space and a trust and a, a devotion to one another, you're unable to say that and share that with those people. I mean, the prime example, you're walking through the, the foyer of a church building. How are you? I'm good. And you're literally walking as you're answering the question. And I'm not saying the foyer is the space where you <laughs> you have to share your deepest, dark secrets in the moment. I've had some incredible conversations, though, because I believe you can create an experience and a space for vulnerability no matter where you are. I truly believe that. I mean, think of the woman at the well. This woman's just here to get water. But Jesus took it as an opportunity to be intentional, and I think that's the other part to this, intentionality to speak to this lady who no one else was speaking to. She was so embarrassed she had to go during the middle of the day when nobody else was there. And it was even countercultural for the man to be speaking to the woman and not to mention of the different uh, ethnicities that was taking place. So there was a lot of craziness with that going on. But I think the idea of creating that space, creating that environment, to create an experience with someone to say, listen, there's no, there's no superficial superficiality to this there's no pretentiousness i'm genuinely here to be real and transparent with you and maybe that will create a realness and a transparency in you because that will not always happen you know people get real in, in levels and stages some though are looking for that i genuinely believe there are people who are hungry for real authenticity and I think we as the church, the body of Christ, have an opportunity to create those spaces, whether it be in things like a small group or, you know, a life group, whatever your church calls it, um, or, you know, a, a men's time or a huddle, if you will. Again, whatever you label it as, create that space to be vulnerable and to trust, but also realizing you, you've got to do that too. You know, the street works both ways. And being open to someone speaking into your life. I mean, I've had many people tell me hard things, you know, things I didn't want to hear. My wife being one of them. I mean, but I'm thankful that she's, I don't want to say brave enough, but loves me enough to tell me those things and vice versa. Yeah. Some steps. I, I went a lot of different ways, but I think the big thing is creating a space, creating an experience, and also being intentional about it. So you acknowledge that it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are some things that you think keep people from 
initiating that road. For example, I'm going through it right now. Something big, something something that's hurting me mm. and I need help. I I acknowledge that. But what are some things that you feel in your own life or you've observed in other people's life that keeps people from taking those steps? Well, I think a root is fear. Um, a fear of rejection for many people. A fear of looking weak for many people. It is just that fear. Um, you know, we hide. We're good at hiding. We've been hiding from the beginning of creation. Um, and, and I think that's what happens. We hide and we try, or I've, I've tried in many ways to create my own fixes, my own, my own solutions. You know, I call them my own fig leaves, just like Adam and Eve. First thing they do is they go find some fig leaves when they recognize there's shame and there's, there's guilt. And so they, they hide in those fig leaves and, and I think we do the same thing. We hide behind our success. We hide behind our talents and our gifts. We hide behind that fear. Well, if they really know me, they won't love me for who I am at this moment. Um, I, you know, something I, I heard recently, there's a difference between acceptance and approving. Um, I'm still trying to flesh that out in my own mind, but... Just that idea of fear. I think fear is a big one, honestly. Um, you know, I think people are afraid to be intentional as well. Uh, on the other side of that, you know, a lot of people, and I had a mentor always say, people have good intentions, but not everybody has intentionality. And, you know, it's that idea, I always say embrace the nudge. And so the idea of if I have a thought of somebody come to my mind or a question when I'm with somebody, ask it, you know, whether they answer it is up to them, but are we really willing to engage or is it just the superficial surface level we want to stay at? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that answers, but yeah. I, I think. I think fear. Fear is a big one. So when I look at the verse, because we are geared up around the yep. Sermon on the Mount yep. and the Beatitudes, the verse regarding poorness in spirit says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. That's pretty punchy if you just take that phrase right there. Blessed, you know, blessed, happy, sure, are the poor in spirit. And then... What do the poor in spirit receive? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. What are, how can we as Christians see the benefits of being poor in spirit? Because like you said, we know people going through stuff, whether it's isolation, feeling like they have no friends, whether it's death in the family, multiple deaths in the family, whether it's people have been going through the ringer for days, weeks, months, years now. Like what is, how can the Christian find and what is the benefit, the the silver lining in having a poorness in spirit. Well, I, you know, I think that on its own is punchy, but when you look at the, the full fullness, I think, you know, so many people do separate the attitudes just by themselves, 
But you got to look at the Beatitudes also through the context of chapter six and seven as well. You know, um, I not real. I mean, I'm be full transparent. You know, I haven't. I'm I'm trying to study through this as because we've decided this is going to be um, our topic for this season. But you know, I I I think we got to break down what the kingdom of heaven is, right? So many people, I think, think that heaven is a destination one day, and I, I, I concur, you know, but I also believe that if Jesus is Lord of my life today and he's king of heaven, he's also king of my life today so that this kingdom is coming into play now. I mean, Jesus prays, not my will be done, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's this, this kingdom that Jesus has established, this kingdom of, and, 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 and to the people he was speaking to, there was an assumption that Jesus was establishing a kingdom that was going to be the overthrow of the Roman Empire, right? That, that Israel was going to have the, the, the hoorah, that was going to come back and overthrow Rome, and this was their Messiah, Jesus, this radical rabbi. But I think Jesus is so good about being so subversive and counterintuitive to everything that we, even today, bring to him. And he's saying, no, I think there's this kingdom of heaven that is this deeper than what you can visually see. And I think we're a part of the kingdom of heaven today, you and I. So when you are poor in spirit, I'm poor. And maybe I'm crazy. Don't call me Shirley. But, uh, but I think the idea of, you know, walking with each other through this, you know, so much of the way we speak of Christianity, in my opinion, is individual. But I see more and more as I read the scriptures, Yes, there is this intimate relationship that I have personally with Jesus, but that personal relationship is to affect a body of believers, right? It's it's a corporate thing, and I believe that's kind of what's happening here in this moment, that God in the person of Jesus is establishing this, this idea, this notion that there is going to be a kingdom that's a little poor in spirit. It's not going to be this fancy royal, royal place, you know. That's going to be linen, linen sheets and uh, gold, you know, faucets and all this or whatever they had in their minds. But that this was going to be the way of life in this this new kingdom, this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God, that everyone was going to have a, a, a chance to come into. Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian—it wouldn't matter. You all have a place at the table in this kingdom. I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> could be. But I really believe that's kind of what Jesus is setting up in this sermon because that's the mindset of the people of that day because they're under this this oppression, oppressive rule, and they were looking. I mean, Peter is a prime example, the zealot, you know, no, <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. Let's 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 kill this Roman, this soldier that's trying to take you to die. Well, Jesus healed this Roman soldier that you just cut his ear off, Peter. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the way of this kingdom. 
I agree. So we look at Paul and we see in all his letters, a lot of them he's writing from inopportune moments. Sure. From prison after shipwreck, after beating, you know, oppression after oppression after oppression. Yet the general theme of his letters are pretty much summed up in Philippians where he says to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Yeah. That, that encapsulates, you know, a poorness of spirit, you know, and and yet he can say something so bold as that. So where do you think mm-hmm. we, as the invisible church, as the people of the church, where do you see that we've dropped the ball? Are we just all uh, snowflakes now that uh, can't can't take it for uh, for the glory of? of God or is there something that that we're missing? Well, we live in a culture that says bigger is better. Um you know, I often think it's funny, you know, I remember once driving down the interstate and I remember Hardy's had this campaign that says uh eat what you want. Right? Basically, it's all you. And I and immediately when I saw the billboard, I thought of Philippians uh or is it Colossians where Paul Paul says, you know, they 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 just allow their appetites to just feed them, fuel them, like whatever their stomachs want, they just go for, you know, that desire, that that whatever. And and I think we have well, I mean for me personally, you know, I did an internship and I thought at the end of the internship I was going to go into ministry. And the internship was with a ministry, so that was training for that. And I went through the process of trying to get this uh, youth minister's job, and I didn't get it. And I thought, oh, man, what is up with that? And I was approached because I needed a job. Like I had just bought a car, and I needed to pay, make payments on this car. And But the, the job that was offered was just you know, a barista at a coffee shop and and I thought no that that's below me in some ways because I I just went through this internship to be in ministry what 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 is going on and what I and what I discovered when I took the job at the coffee shop was it it really is less about your career and it's more about your character and it's it's really about are you just willing to be faithful and obedient to where God has you today. Paul, when he goes to Athens, right? Acts, was it 17? Acts 16 or 17. And he was on a detour, right? It's a detour. It isn't even where he was planning to go. He was going somewhere else. But he stopped, and he acknowledged that Athens was a a people. In fact, it says in the Word of God, that the spirit provoked him because of the brokenness this that he saw and he acknowledged that these people were highly religious that they acknowledged some unknown god and he came and he said this is the god so are we willing to make the most as he says in Ephesians of every opportunity to live as wise not as unwise whether that mean if you're in college are you, and I would tell you this last semester, I'd tell you this all the time, whether you are in college 
studying for a paper, you are to do that unto the glory of the Lord because that is currently where you are. Paul is in chains when he writes two-thirds of the New Testament for the most part. He did it unto the glory of the Lord. And he did it out of a love for people that he was writing to, these churches, these people that he had a heart. He says, even in tears, and apparently there were tears that were falling onto the paper when you read these letters, that he had a love for them. But the man is in chains when he's, you know, telling the scribe what to write down. You know, so are we willing to embrace the hard times? as the potential that, one, God is using for his glory, two, that it's doing something in us to build a character that potentially could learn gentleness, kindness, compassion, love, joy, self-control. Now, if the situation is just plain insanity and someone's harming you and, and, and abusing you, I'm, I'm thinking you may want to get out of that. Right. But we're not talking. That's not the, the point of this. The point of this is to say, listen, if you're a college student or a grown adult who has been working for years, are you genuinely working unto the Lord and not unto man? Are you gaining? Are you trying to gain validation and approval from your peers or are you completely content that Jesus Christ has you there to be an expression of his love and his mercy and his compassion in this kingdom of heaven? Paul is such a good example of keeping his spiritual gaze upward, even through all of these trials and oppressions and, and things of that nature. Whereas I think today we so easily try to start maybe our day or our week with a upward spiritual gaze but as soon as the first test and work comes that starts to drop as soon as you know for college students as that uh assignment in one class turns into a test in another class turns into three assignments and a pop quiz and more classes and you have all those due within a two-day span that gaze starts to drop and when family members start to have this going on or that going on in their life gazes start to drop so that it's it's just a forgotten priority to keep our gaze upward on things of eternal value. So I even think, in the mundane, even in the mundane, even in the mundane. So that's where you know the the blessedness or the happiness that belongs to the poor of spirit for the Christian. You know there there certainly is joy to be recognized that everything happens for our good and His glory, even if it doesn't look like it. Yeah. And and the Christian can recognize that this is for my good and for his glory, even though it feels like I'm going through it right now. And that's not so much the case for the world around us. You know, you you acknowledge the hurricane that we're seeing for those outside of the hope of Christ. You know, that can be a hopeless situation there even where there is no rebound. Hopeless. Uh, I mean, look moment. at some of the photographs of the Bahamas. Oh, I mean, it, it is, yeah, it is rough and, and there is just no other hope apart from Christ. And so our weakness just becomes his strength. And that is where there is, there is room to boast when 
in a poorness of spirit because it only uh, lets those that are struggling rely more on God and for God's strength to be displayed through the situation. So I think that's that's just a an ultimate truth that kind of sweeps uh, Christians struggling with poorness of spirit. Sure, you know, and I think that it's it it it, it Paul says do everything without complaining or or uh, arguing so that you shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. Have you thought that when you're, oh my goodness, this is just the worst. Oh, this is horrible. I mean, I do this. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm exempt. Oh, this is just the worst thing ever. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I've got to do this and that and this and that. That those who do not know him, who might not do that out loud, go, and you have the hope of, of the world that you claim living in you? Do we look satisfied? Do we look like there's the joy of Christ? That's hard to say, but I think that's what Jesus is calling us to. Like, no matter what the circumstance, this dude's hanging on a cross, dying, literally trying to push himself up to grasp for air. And what does he cry out? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Not, oh man, this is bad. Well, yeah. You know, like, now granted, in the humanity of Jesus, we still see him like, take this cup from me. But he was still obedient to the point of what? Death on a cross. Your, your, your cross might not be literal death, but your cross might be four years of higher education in which you need to do it with joy and with kindness and peace and with integrity and with character that says, this is where I, I, I am. You can only be where you are. If you're somewhere else in where you're at, you're going to make a lot of money. What mushroom are you what are which mushroom are you eating? But I think it really is a matter of and and I and I'm guilty of this, you know. So I think that's this this isn't a preach down, this is a preach with. But it's are we really really convicted to the point of living out this sermon? Like this is this is what he's calling us to. This is what Jesus is saying, this is what this kingdom is about. Yep. It's 30 minutes, by the way. Wow. We we really can talk, can't we? Boy, boy couldn't couldn't we uh, change the world in another half hour? Man, couldn't we? People will have to, uh, what's it called? Patreon? Is that where you get paid? Yeah, yeah. People will have to join that if they yeah, want Yeah, yeah, we need some money. Yeah, people will have to uh, subscribe to that. But... Uh, I just want to close by saying this is not a promotion for self-harm just for the sake of being poor in spirit, right. nor is, is this sermon a prescription for moral perfection. Yeah. Because in the end, we cannot uphold this sermon. All the things that it says, you know, to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You cannot do that right. in case you didn't know. Um. This is just ultimate reliance on Christ and what he has done. And Christians are going to go through it just like everyone else is going to go through it. So, Yeah, I want to give you that quote. 
Give it to me. From uh, Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones. Dr. Jones. Can't remember his first name currently. Um, is it Andrew? Lloyd Jones? Martin. Martin. Lloyd. Thank you. The and King. I don't know where. <laughs> I think I'm thinking of Andrew Lloyd Webber. This is not Broadway. That's different. Okay, here's the quote. It is It is this, and I think it's a great way to, this is what I was been trying to get to. The glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. It is then, she being the church, by the way, it is then that the world is made to listen to her message, though it may hate it at first. That is how revival comes. That must also be true of us as individuals. It should not be our ambition to be as much like everybody else as we can, though we happen to be Christian, but rather to be as different from everybody who is not a Christian as we can possibly be. Our ambition should be to be like Christ. The more like Him, the better. And the more like Him we become, the more we shall be unlike everybody who is not a Christian. And I think we then represent what it is we claim to be true. When you look different, people notice. Yeah, absolutely. All right, it's about that time. All right, well, we just want to thank you for listening to Candid, a podcast by yours truly and Mr. Brent. Yes. I uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening. Remember all of our social media and uh, ways that you can reach us via email, uh, DMs, all that good stuff. A uh, huge thank you to Carver Commodore again for letting us use their track in our intro and outro. Uh, you should check them out on anywhere you can get music. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. Peace. Peace.